not only is it another option for affordable housing, but also for people that are wanting to, you know, maybe get away from the city or just, you know, vacation locally, it might be a more affordable way to vacation and have some recreation, hence recreational vehicle, right? So that's what an RV is. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss, and I am excited to be on a podcast today with an amazing person, someone who is a Coast Guard officer. I mean, guys, how often we get to speak with a Coast Guard officer? I want to get some juicy stories today. It's none other than Adrian Chukliangi. How are you doing today? I'm proud of myself for pronouncing that correctly, hopefully, right? Yeah, you did an awesome job. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Adrian is, like I mentioned, a former Coast Guard officer. Former, correct? You're still doing that active? Still active duty. Still active. Okay. So not former yet, but that's the plan, right? Yes. <laughs> and he is real estate investor. Surprise, surprise. That's pretty much everyone we have on the show here. We will get some other people eventually doing different businesses and different things. But currently, we love to learn about real estate. I'm excited to speak to you. He's the founder of St. Joseph's Capital and excited to learn more about you and about that story. So if you wouldn't mind, give our listeners a brief background and how you got started in real estate while full-time in the Coast Guard. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thanks for having me on the show. Excited to be here. You know, I'm just a simple guy from Northern Virginia and, you know, wanted to play basketball in college and Coast Guard Academy was, you know, an option to do that. And I really didn't have too much exposure to military life prior to that, but just kind of jumped in and went to the Coast Guard Academy. And yeah, soon after that, you know, got married and now we have, well, soon after I left the Coast Guard Academy, you know, after the four years there you know, got married to my beautiful bride, Alexandra. And now we have two boys under two and a third on the way. So family is definitely rapidly growing <laughs> right now. But yeah, got involved in real estate investing when I was stationed at one of my previous duty assignments. And my wife and I used the VA loan to purchase our first primary residence. And, you know, investing had really been on our hearts for a little bit. We just didn't know what to do with it. But I would say maybe the, you know, the first time I felt drawn to the world of investing was really just kind of hearing the parable of the talents from the gospel of Matthew. And it talks about a steward entrusting a couple of his servants with a different number of talents. And, you know, one was given five, one was given two, and one was given one. And the one that was given five and the, and the one that was given two went out and produced more with those. And the one that was given one ended up burying in the ground, you know, out of fear of losing it. And, you know, the lesson there really is, you know, just kind of begs that question, what are you doing with what you're given? And so that kind of really sparked that desire to go and invest and produce. And yeah, we kind of had that heart for real estate and that we knew that real estate was good. We just didn't know what that looked like yet. But yeah, I would say that's kind of what kind of sparked the fire. That's amazing. And it's really interesting. We have also, we had Abel Pacheco on the on the show not long ago as well. And he's, companies called that Five Talents Capital. And so it's really kind of based on the same principles there. It's pretty awesome. You're taking biblical concepts, making them, you know, applying them to your daily life and applying them to your outlook. And I think that's really special. I assume 
that has something to do with the name of your company and the podcast as well. Am I correct in saying that or just a random? <laughs> <laughs> no, you are absolutely correct. You know, Joseph was the father of Jesus in last or in 2021 was the year of St. Joseph. And I think he's just a great example of what it means to be a man. You know, I think in our culture today where true manhood, mm -hmm. you know, true masculinity is, you know, so needed. And yeah, I think just kind of stepping into fatherhood, you know, Joseph has definitely been, you know, definitely that example to just look at, you know, look toward and, and kind of emulating, you know, what must have his life been, you know, to, to be like, you know, to raise Jesus. So yeah, that's kind of why we went with St. Joseph and, you know, as kind of our branding, but yeah. Yeah, it's amazing taking something like that and just following it through. Obviously, the principles are important, you know, what they are, who you're looking up to, who your role models are, obviously make a big impact on what your company is. I think it's more important to have a, a good name that means a lot to you personally for a company than just some random name picking out of a hat or, or finding somewhere, which is actually something that I struggle with many times starting my real estate investing journey. I don't have any company name whatsoever. I had like an LLC, you know, that I created when we were doing some flipping and stuff like that, but really didn't speak to who I was. So trying to figure that out right now, but you're giving me some ideas starting to percolate in my head. Maybe I'll take that a little further along the way. But I'm interested to know because, you know, you kind of blew over it. Oh, yeah, we first bought our house with a VA loan and then kind of involved in investing. But it's not so natural to a lot of people. I mean, I'm sure you're aware there are plenty of people out there in the military, active duty or veterans, and they have no idea about any of this stuff. And I mean, how did you first come across the idea of being able to use your VA loan as were you have involved at all in the, the ADPI guys, the active duty passive income guys at all? Yeah, 100%. You know, they were really the catalyst because what happened was during that first home purchase, it was supposed to be a three-year assignment. And well, we're going to be here for three years. You know, we're going to you know settle down for a little bit and then rent it out and we can figure that out down the road. You know, it turns out that assignment got cut in half to a year and a half. And so I saw that kind of on the horizon before that year and a half mark, year and a half year mark came and started Googling military real estate. You know, I was military real estate investors looking to, you know, try and connect with others who, you know, know how to manage a rental. Gotcha. <laughs> and so that's when I got connected with ADPI and just dove into their education and honestly was really focused on the single family residential part of the industry, you know, for a little bit looking at different turnkeys and mm -hmm. different companies that offer those solutions. But staying involved with ADPI, I just kept hearing about multifamily and commercial real estate. And I think once I heard or understood, you know, how valuation happens in commercial real estate and just seeing all the, the added benefits, like, you know, economies of scale and the, you know, just how a syndication works. I was sold almost instantly. And then right. ADPI offers a multifamily academy and mastermind and jumped in there and started learning, getting to know a few folks and, you know, got some mentoring in there as well. I knew I wanted to get active. Yeah. I just didn't know what that looked like, you know, while active duty, but invested passively into an apartment syndication with a co-sponsor who was also active duty, but syndicating from Colombia. Wow. And I was like, you know, how are you doing that from overseas, you know, while active duty? And he was like, well, I, you know, I just raised capital for this deal. And so that's really kind of what drew me to the world of syndication and, you know, specifically right. raising capital. So 
it's an amazing model. And I love the fact that you're able, really anyone, if you learn it properly and you understand the differences, anyone can do this. It really, it does take discipline. It does take the mindset and getting over the humps of not believing that you can be done. But once you learn that other people similar to yourself are doing the same thing and making a lot of money and having a lot of freedom and having success, it just drives you, I think, to want to do that also. I mean, do you have an end time? I mean, with your military career, is there a certain amount of time they have to serve obligatory or whatever? Do you have that on the horizon or are you going to keep doing it as long as you can? Yeah, you know, it's been such a roller coaster, honestly, the last year and a half. I was in flight school last year in 2021, but due to some certain things happening, you know, in the military and in family life, I realized that I was committing myself to something that would be, you know, and looking at like a 10 to 15 year commitment. And, you know, with our family's goals and where we're at and, and just seeing our family scaling, we were like, hey, like, this long-term commitment isn't for us what we need and what we're trying to do. And so I kind of had to burn mm-hmm. that first bridge because if I didn't, I would be on that long-term path and I knew I'd be only able to, you know, pursue, you know, our goals. Yeah. And but I'm still in. But yeah, some other things have been going on where I will probably be separating from the service next year. It could be sooner, but I'm still kind of waiting that. But yeah, I, I could go into detail there, but I'll save that maybe for some offline. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously, I'm sure, as you've described, your family goals are paramount, right? The military goals. And I think that's really important to understand, make that distinction. But also, learning more about multifamily investing, about syndication, I'm sure you've found opportunities through that, that you can kind of figure out, oh, we can make this work. This is something that is scalable, is something that can provide for the family as it grows in a much more, number one, lucrative, much more you know, resourceful way and not be subject to maybe, you know, taking another call or taking on another deployment. It gives you a lot of freedom. You know, the ADPI guys do an amazing job with their course and with their mentorship. <laughs> I think I'm actually part of that. If I recall, yeah, I helped to record like a segment on cost segregation for them. You are, you're in there. You're one of the modules. <laughs> <I'm in there. laughs> That's so cool. Really, I'm you know I'm supportive of everyone who's in the military. I love what you do. I want to try to transition and understand. There's so much out there. You know, you mentioned that you invested in single families a little bit. Then you learn more about multifamily investing in that. And I know for a fact that you are focused a little bit, at least in RV parks. I know you've posted a tremendous amount about like why you love RV parks and why they're so amazing. Can you talk about it a little bit here? Because actually, on the previous episode, maybe or one of the previous episodes, we had. Don Spafford was talking about campgrounds. And I mistakenly made kind of a correlation between campgrounds and RV parks when really they're two separate asset classes. I mean, there can be some overlap in a lot of ways, but I think what he's doing is is a little bit different than what you're doing. So maybe describe to us what RV parks are to our listeners may not know what they are and why you see them as such a lucrative asset class. Yeah, absolutely. So there's definitely nuances, you know, between parks and campgrounds and RV resorts. So there's, you know, different kinds of parks with different flavors, but taking a step out of RV parks for a second, looking just at some of the macroeconomics of, you know, affordable housing in the country right now, you know, it really starts with 
multifamily because that's kind of the entry point, you know, into commercial real estate, I think for a lot of investors, you know, because a lot of people might think flipping houses are kind of holding on long term to single family residential. And as investors desire to scale, they kind of naturally step into multifamily. I think that's, you know, what happened to me, but also just being exposed to what's going on and just seeing, you know, the shortage of housing to the tunes of millions of units nationwide, there's definitely a case for multifamily, but also manufactured home communities that are providing those solutions to really combat that crisis. But another kind of force that we're dealing with kind of simultaneously is a few trends that have been going on for right. you know years now. And that's kind of the... So the two trends really are the generation of baby boomers who are retiring you know, a really rapid rate daily and who are kind of looking for maybe an upgraded lifestyle or also affordable living that maybe might be, might allow them to finally travel and get to experience, you know, life on the road. Maybe it's something they didn't get to do when they're younger. And, but also we have the generation of younger folks, millennials that are getting into the workplace, Mm -hmm. understanding that they can work remotely and understand this new kind of maybe not so new, but maybe it's really just been transformed by COVID. But this, maybe, I don't know what the right word is, but maybe virtue, I feel like that's not the right word, but a a flexibility and being able to work remote. And so just a lot of influx into RVs. And, you know, you're seeing in the RV industry, you know, sales are skyrocketed over the last year, especially in 2021, but also, you know, even before that. So I think, you know, COVID kind of amplified that those trends mm-hmm. yeah in many ways especially with given the idea or the ability like you said to work from anywhere people are you know digital nomads and these type of things are really becoming a lot more popular yeah obviously people moving out of big cities but at the same time more people traveling and realizing where i can work from everywhere and i can travel around and do it so it makes sense to have you know a movable office and home right yeah definitely and yeah just you know not only is it another option for affordable housing but also for people that are wanting to, you know, maybe get away from the city or just, you know, vacation locally, it might be a more affordable way to vacation and have some recreation, hence recreational vehicle, right? So that's what, right. what an RV is. But yeah, it's kind of my macroeconomic thought on this space and kind of why we're, we're liking this asset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think another thing is there's sometimes a higher rate of return. You know, sometimes the cap rates are you know, in the seven to 12% range, as opposed to, you know, maybe multifamily is, you know, in the three to 5% cap rates. And so there's that factor that plays into it. There's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot more ability to make money on a property that has higher returns for sure, especially for your investors. It's hard to come by, but it's amazing to me that it hasn't yet been tapped in or really to the the main, uh, I know mobile home parks, mobile communities have become much more popular, especially within private equity and those type of institutional investors over the past few years, much more so than it ever was. RV parks haven't yet gotten there. And I think it may be there may be a trend to that, I think, as data starts to flow over the next couple of years. Yeah, definitely. It's very fragmented asset class, a lot of mom and pop owners. So right. that data isn't necessarily, you know, available. But I think as more capital starts to flow into the space, you know, a lot of those systems capturing that data will be upgraded. And I think in you know in the coming years that it'll be more available. So 
when you're buying an RV park, I mean, obviously there can be lots of amenities and lots of different things. And as I mentioned before, between the campgrounds and the RV park, there can be some overlap, but essentially, I mean, a, a traditional RV park where you're talking about affordable housing and that kind of stuff, long-term tenants, where they're just bringing their RVs, parking them there for, you know, maybe a month or two at a time. Essentially, you're just buying, I mean, it's dirt, essentially, right? I mean, it could, hopefully it's paved if you want to get the <laughs> conservation benefits on it, but there's not much more than that. I remember the first time I ever heard about someone buying an RV park was actually, you know, a few years ago, Ryan Gibson of Spartan Investment. When they first got started out, one of their first assets was this RV park in the middle of nowhere in Texas, like outside of Odessa. Like, so not even Odessa, which is in the middle of nowhere, you know, in Western Texas, it was like 90 miles from Odessa. So it was like somewhere, nowhere near anywhere. And they bought it for a couple million dollars and turned it around in a couple of years and sold it for like five. It was like crazy returns. But I remember there was just paved ground and some electrical hookups. And that was pretty much it. There was like a little kind of makeshift laundry room slash office. And, <laughs> and, that, and that was it. Yeah. No, it's you know, pretty simple, but sometimes that simplicity ironically has some complexities to it as well. <laughs> I'm sure there are. I mean, like any real estate investment, there's more to it. There's always more to it. So what are some of these things that are driving you towards the real estate You know, more than anything? I know this is something that has dream. You talked about that a little bit in terms of the passion, but what is this essentially what's your why or what's driving you along this way? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, first and foremost, it's, you know, just to serve my family. You know, my wife is a warrior at home. You know, she's got two babies that she's full-time staying at home with right now. And she definitely works harder than me, you know? And so I want to, you know, just be able to create that freedom to be able to, to serve her at a higher level, you know, with my time, but also just to have that time as well to spend with my kids as they grow up and as they get older. And I know my wife and I would love to homeschool, you know, as they get older as well. And I think it'd be super cool to kind of be that, you know, primary educator and just share with them, you know, what I've learned <laughs> in life. Yeah. But I think, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I guess on top of that, it's really just, you know, responding to our call to just share, you know, our faith with all those that we encounter. And that's definitely a big part of it. And we would love to be able to have more time to give back as well. So, you know, when that's driving you, you'll succeed. When those factors, you know, the family, the wanting to be there for your kids, the idea of giving back, the idea to, to kind of share your beliefs and, you know, your passion with other people. I think all those things are going to just a recipe for success altogether. So that sounds awesome. I mean, I'm excited to see where this journey takes you. Obviously, it's only just gotten started just a few years. So it's like really on the way to, to building something great. Yeah. Thank you, Yona. Appreciate that. I want to jump now to what we call the final four. These are four questions I ask all my guests. The first question to you, Adrian, you can take these any which way you want to take them. What is the worst job that you ever had? The worst job? Oh, man. I think probably just when I was deployed, we had a very weird schedule where I was you know, waking up at two. The next morning, I was waking up at one. The next morning, I was waking up at midnight. And it was very like rotating. So very hard to just function. But I would say it wasn't a bad job. It was just kind of the schedule of it and kind of being able to function around that schedule. <laughs> 100%. No, sometimes not necessarily the job that's bad, but the experience that went along with it. And I can totally relate to that when you're not, when you have a, a fixed schedule, like it shakes your whole world. It's hard to function properly. So I definitely relate to that. Second question, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah, I think it's, 
just kind of going back to getting started and raising capital, it's raising capital for real estate, the Hunter Thompson mm-hmm. definitely opened up my mind to this playbook of a business and think about, you know, not only real estate differently, but just my approach to commercial real estate. That's awesome. Great book. Definitely have it on the desk right over here. And uh, I know we're both part of Hunter's Raise Masters Mastermind. So that's a great place that he's created, a space that he's created for people like us who want to learn about how to raise private capital. So glad to be part of that. Yeah, definitely. Good to have you in there. (laughs) (laughs) And just a shout out to Hunter because what he's done through not just his educational platform and the mastermind, I don't know if he's ever going to listen to this, but if you guys listen to this, he put out this book that you mentioned now, that was probably the greatest book launch that I've ever seen. And, you know, kudos to Adam Carswell also, who's, you know, helped him with that years ago. But when he launched that book, it was incredible, the amount of hype that he had building up to it and the amount of, you know, the, just the marketing that went behind it. I've never in all my days seen a book launch that was that successful. So just if anyone wants to learn about how to launch a book, figure out or find out, right? Hunter, I'm sure he has like a whole podcast of describing like what went into that. So check it out. Third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? I would honestly love to learn how to sing because I enjoy playing the piano, but my voice is just horrendous. <laughs> I think that, that's, that's probably a skill you can learn, right? You can learn how to sing. It's just... I think so. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of you know, putting the time in and <laughs> training your voice. <laughs> I mean, some people are tone deaf, but I, you know, I think that can be, that's curable. <laughs> I think it's curable. Yeah. I think so. Putting the time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to ask you to sing anything for me now, but fourth and final question, Adrian, what does success mean to you? I would say that success is being in line with God's plan for your life, but also I really value a definition that of success that credit to one of my mentors, but he says that success is the quality of your relationships. And I think that is 100% true. And yeah, that would be definition. (laughs) That's awesome. We all, I mean, brought in this world for a short amount of time to do something that only we can do in this world. And I think, you know, coming and figuring out what your purpose is and aligning yourself with that and living to that, I think that's, you know, the definition of success also. So thank you for doing that. And obviously the relationships along the way are, you know, paramount. So I appreciate you sharing your vision and sharing your background and story with us. It's been really great having you. And where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Yeah, sure. I'm on LinkedIn, Adrian Chukwiangi. That's a great place to to reach me. But also we have our website, which is stjosephcapital.com. You'll see we have our introduction to passive real estate investing course that you can access for free on our website. That's stjosephcapital.com. Very cool. That's awesome. Passive investing course. That sounds intriguing. Okay. We're going to check that out. Make sure we put that in the show notes. And I uh, appreciate you taking the time today. It's really been awesome and looking forward to you know hearing more from you soon. Yeah. Thanks so much, Yona. It's been a blast. I appreciate it. Yeah. And to our listeners, thank you guys for listening again all the way to the end. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, 
leave a rating review, I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.